Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Marilee Orsini. Marilee, are you ready to do this? I am ready to do this. Thank you, George. <laughs> Excellent. Let, let's do this. Marilee is the founder and board chair of Core Cubed. She's a thought leader. She's the recipient of a Lifetime Achievement Award in business. She's the host of the Help Choose Home podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Marilee, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Goodness, George. I have been <laughs> in healthcare at home since 1981, so um, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. And I've grown one business and sold it um, and have had this business, Core Cubed, which is an aging care marketing company, um, which was what I liked to do out of my first business that I sold was the marketing and communications part. So I've had that business since 1998. So um, right now what I'm spending most of my time in is educating about choosing care at home as an option, which actually in the global pandemic is not a very hard sell. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the timing to uh, to have care at home shine is, is now. And my Help Choose Home podcast is how I get that information out. So right. that's really how I'm spending spending most of my professional time, I would say. I have volunteer time that I am. Um, I'm president of the Art Alliance for Contemporary Glass, which is an international group of uh, people who love glass as sculpture. And I've been doing that for two years. So... Um, and I moved to Asheville because I have grandchildren here. So I have four grandchildren within walking distance of my house in Asheville. So Amazing. that's how I occupy my time. Well, that, that, that is an awesome thing. Somebody recently told me that, that kids make your life 100% better and grandkids make it 1,000% better. What do you think about that? I think that is an accurate statement. <laughs> uh, the, I, this past weekend, Halloween, I had my 13-year-old granddaughter and six of her friends over for a socially distanced and safe Halloween sleepover. Nice. So you would think we couldn't do that, but we pulled it off. Right. It it was really a lot of fun. So yes, a thousand percent is, it might even be more. Got it. Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So uh, Marilee, I I started my career with, with New York life in 2001 and we, we marketed, long-term care products and I, I was taught I had no idea I didn't know anything about long-term care I had no idea about actually providing care um, but I was told that that everybody wants to receive care at at home and yes. that certainly intellectually made sense to me because it's like well I've, I've been at home my whole life so why would I want to now leave uh, theoretically speaking towards the end of my life well, the statistics are that 98% of people would like to receive care at home, and I'm still looking for that 2% uh, hmm. <laughs> who don't want to. I have no idea where they want to go right. <laughs> instead of home. But it's, you know, it really is, and particularly, as I said, in a global pandemic, it's really right now the safest place to be. 
And what we're finding is an amazing amount of support in the industry that had before COVID-19 had really fought having people go home. Um, and now it is, um, there are a lot of things happening that are supportive of that. Uh, telemedicine is probably the biggest and telemedicine has never been reimbursed, although it's been around for a long time. And some of it's fairly sophisticated machinery, but other telemedicine products are literally your iPad or a phone um, and some peripherals that can take vital signs. So telemedicine is now going to be reimbursed. That's really brand new. And there are um, lots of initiatives, hospital at home initiatives where people are realizing you really don't need to be in a hospital environment or a congregate setting to perform lots of procedures that you would have at home, that you could have at home, and there it's happening. So it's really a, sort of a, um, a model whose time has come, I might say. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. In terms of hospital at home, I've, I've never heard that term. I'm certainly familiar with telehealth. Um, what is, if, 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 if you could sort of maybe weigh out or, or talk talk about the challenges, is it, how I guess how much of it is psychological that people need to get over to actually <laughs> I don't do that? Ever, I don't ever think it was really psychological. I think it had more to do with repayment and um, and ease for the medical profession that is in a congregate setting or in a building. Um, it was easier for a doctor when someone was discharged from the hospital to put them in a congregate setting because then they could see ten or twelve patients at one time. They didn't have to just see one at a time. So uh, having a patient go back home adds travel to that visit. You know, it adds a lot of um, added time to the visit. But what it avoids is some of the diseases and some of the bacteria that spreads pretty easily in congregate settings. Sure. Um, and it also, with, the, with telehealth, for the most part, you can talk somebody through whatever's happening. Um, a classic example is COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder. And that has a breathing um, component to it. I shouldn't say breathing component, a not breathing component mm -hmm. that's very scary. So when someone starts to not be able to breathe, then their natural reaction is I need to get to the hospital where someone can help me. But oftentimes there's things that can happen at home. So a quick telehealth visit can get the person calmed down, get their breathing back under control, and then they don't have to make that hospital run. So it saves on uh, resources, so that's one thing we're always trying to do. But the bigger point to me is it's really better for the patient because they're not having to be exposed to all those people in the emergency room. And, if, and you've been to the hospital before, I'm sure, sure. maybe. It's not a ple Have you ever had a pleasant experience when you go to a hospital? <laughs> no, I uh, suppose not. I don't not. know anyone who has. Yeah. So, is that, you know, the intake and all the things that happen. And uh, so it's, uh, it really is, um, it was really the system that was preventing that from happening. And now, you know, everyone wants to play together in the sandbox. Well, that's happening now. So. People are learning how to do this out of necessity, and, and it's working. Yeah, that's interesting because, to, to your point, it's probably been possible for for several years that, that we've had technology to be able to do this, but now COVID has sort of has forced it. I would say probably a decade. I think we have had 
telehealth. I look back at um, part, you know, for Core Cubed, we do aging care marketing. And so we picked up a telehealth provider, I'm sure it was 10 years ago, who was associated with a large hospital system in Springfield, Missouri. And it was actually, uh, they're still in business, but the um, no matter how much marketing, fabulous marketing we did for <laughs> them, people just weren't ready. And so, um, and now they actually are ready. But the, the model that they used, which I thought was just a genius, and now it's a pretty standard model, they had the hospital relationship. So they used the people who were already working 24-7 in the hospital to monitor the the signs, because that's the biggest problem with telehealth. If you've got a thousand people out on home monitors and they start beeping, how do you deal with that? So if you have a hospital setting where they're already used to doing that, then they can triage what's happening and they can, they can uh, talk to the people, get help, whatever needs to be done. So, but I'm pretty sure that was about 10 years ago. So, uh, but technology, you know, in the last 10 years has really changed. So, uh, with iPhones and iPads and the fact that you can actually now attach peripherals to those and get your vital signs. Um, and I think probably on your watch, can't you? I don't have an Apple Watch. Probably. <laughs> I don't want an Apple Watch right now. But I think that you can get all your vitals on your Apple Watch if you want to. So Yeah, I think that that's, that's true. Change. That's fascinating. I mean, I've never I've, I've never thought about this and my, my, my brain's just sort of spinning. Um, totally fascinating, uh, it, but, you know, extremely similar, but totally different from the hospital setting to your point when, when bells start going off and, you know, it's people jump into action. Well, now it's, now it's just virtual and there's, I, I suppose, very little reason unless it's some kind of a critical emergency, um, why you couldn't do that virtually. So. And I will tell you what you just said is key to what I've been doing literally for the last 40 years. When you said, I really don't know anything about it, what we found is no one knows anything about it until they have a need to know. Mm -hmm. And once they have a need to know, they can't get enough information because mm -hmm. everything's going along fine and something happens with a loved one. And that's when you start researching, what are my options? Where do I go? What does it cost? Who provides it? Do I have the right insurance? Um, but that never happens until that need presents itself. So, um, so the education that we do with Help Choose Home, where we're really talking about what are the factors to make those decisions, or are things that um, if home care had been internalized or institutionalized or uh, made a part of the care continuum, then we might have known those things. So we're learning them now, but it, we still find that people just aren't interested until they have a need and then they are really interested. So how, how extremely human. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. isn't it? <laughs> how uh, perfectly human of us human beings to not care anything about it until I need it. And then I care everything about it. So, <laughs> um, so I, I just, uh, again, sort of as you're talking, all these things are kind of coming through my mind and it seems like, it seems like, in other parts of the world and in previous generations here, probably in the United States, that we didn't have choices to have care outside the home. So it all took place inside the home. And I, from what I understand, I'm, I may be incorrect, is places like Italy where you still have generations of folks living inside the home. 
and, and, and there's certainly unique challenges there as well. I, I think from, from probably disease spread, but it's, it can't be any better or any worse than being in an actual hospital. I think that's true. I believe the, um, prior to COVID, the statistic was, I believe, one-third of the deaths that occurred were actually occurred because of something that happened in the hospital. So you could say the hospital itself, whether it was, you know, a, um, a rampant bacteria or, or sepsis or something that happened as a result of physically being in the hospital, could be attributed one-third of the time to a cause of death. Got it. So, yes. Um, but, you know, the um, hospitals are a really relatively new invention, you know, within the 20th century. Um, people used to receive all of their care at home and, um, and not go to the hospital. So, actually, in, uh, when um, obstetrics became a practice, the... Um, the poor people used to have to go to the hospital to have babies. The wealthy people got to have their children at home, hmm. but they didn't understand um, disease spread at that time, infectious disease spread, which some may say we don't understand even today, but they did not <laughs> understand infectious <laughs> disease spread. And, um, and so a lot of women died in the hospital because the, nobody was washing their hands. That was the biggest thing. Mm. I mean, just, just realizing you could spread germs and prevent it by washing hands was a big deal. So um, we have a long and sordid history of our developing our practice of medicine. And it's, um, again, changing. So positively, yeah. I think now with using home as a component, a viable component, less expensive, less traumatic, uh, safer usually. And um, lots of benefits. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, unless you have children who aren't nice to you, in which case that is not a benefit. Unless you have children who they you hate or they hate you, then perhaps explore explore out of home options. If that's not the and that's case, why you hope the grandchildren. Come yes, in yes, I got it. Okay, the next generation likes right, grandma and grandpa, right. and 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 vice versa. So who, or we're, we're sort of kidding about that, who really does need to educate themselves about this? Is it the caregiver or is it the care receiver both? Um, it's probably both, but I think the caregiver in most cases. Um, and I'm going to separate now the types of care. There, People who have a dementia or who have limited cognitive functioning that is going to get worse as they as they progress in age, that's a whole different kind of care mm -hmm. than people who have a physical ailment that um, that can be um, cared for reasonably. But, you know, we're all going to die. So that's the other thing. I think that we, in this country, we really don't talk about death. We don't have it as a component of what we're doing. Everybody wants to avoid death. And in fact, in medical school, I don't know that it's still happening, but they used to teach that a death was a failure. So that's one of the reasons we are where we are today, because instead of looking at what's in the best interest of the patient and his, his or her quality of life, then, um, that, you know, now we're looking at that. But that was not done in the past. It was save the patient at all costs. Extend life. The death was the ultimate loss so you didn't want to do that but sometimes and they found through um, hospice research now oftentimes people who give I should say give up stop treatments 
on something that is terminal, uh, oftentimes they get better. And because they're not having all the, the chemicals or the poisons in their body, they're in a setting where everyone is being loving and attentive, and oftentimes they get better, and sometimes they've been extend their life um, a pretty long time. Wow. So there's a, a huge shift that's, that's happening now, and I think a lot of that's attributable to home care as well. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So important to, to, to delineate between receiving care for mental health versus, or for, I guess, yes, mental ailments versus physical yeah, ailments. Uh, cognitive issues. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. That's a word you should probably, a phrase you should know. So Yeah, well, certainly. Um, then from from there, uh, when, when, when people do find themselves in the position where I, w- I have never thought about this before and now, oh my gosh, I need to figure this out ASAP, what are the resources that, 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 that you point people to? Well, I think one of the best resources, is lo- there's lots out there. Um, the National Association for Home Care and Hospice has um, very good resources. Caring.com has excellent resources. AARP has positioned itself also to have an amazing amount of resources. Um, and again, it's there's uh, you know other organizations, Home Care Association of America, the Aging Life Care Professionals. There's lots of organizations out there that are trying to help people be better caregivers and take care of themselves as they're taking care of someone who needs care. Got it. appreciate that. Well, Marilee, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? (laughs) (laughs) It's nothing to do with elder care. (laughs) What it has to do with is hiring people. And um, my tip is to hire the best talent that fits the job and don't think about geography. Because now, as we've learned through COVID, you could work anywhere. So if you've got someone with a good work ethic who really enjoys working and is very good at their job, they're going to be a better employee, even though remote, than someone who is physically sitting at a desk but not producing. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets, come on. Come on. What a huge shift that, that that's, it's, it's, again, sort of cracking that mold and giving people the opportunity to compete for great talent and great talent to compete for, for, for really whatever job they want. Um, so that's so interesting. Well, Marilee, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and what do people come to you for? Um, I help choose home.com or any place where podcasts are found is where you can find my podcast. My company is core cubed. It's C O R E C U B E D core Lots of good information there. If you have a product that needs product or service that needs marketing in the aging care marketing space, we are, I'd say probably the best in the nation at that. And I have MerrilyOrsini.com for those who just want to know what I'm up to. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Merrily your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to MerrilyOrsini.com. That's M-E-R-R-I-L-Y-O-R-S-I-N-I.com. HelpChooseHome.com. And you can also find that podcast anywhere fine podcasts are distributed and then corecubed.com as well. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Marilee. Thank you, George. You have a great day. Enjoy yourself and stay safe out there. Indeed. And (laughs) until next time.
keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.